Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. And today I am with Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, we are recording on Wednesday because we try to record on Monday, and that was a train wreck. So this I is feel take like two. we should just stick to Monday mornings because when we do Monday afternoons or evening, it never works out. It never does. No. It never does. And but your kids went back to school, so the, the, the time has changed a little bit, so the window from for which we can record. But that's Yeah, okay. it is, because I have to get my son up. I get him up at early. I get him up at about 6.30. They get dressed. They have breakfast. Make sure they got all their stuff packed, and I walk my son to school. And then I come back, and then I pack my daughter's lunch, and then I walk her to school, which is where I work, and... And that's that. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to do a podcast when you're always moving. So yeah. before we begin on our topic today, Micah, what was the weirdest story you experienced this week? Or a weird story you like to share? I, I think it's hilarious that we do this this theme every week and I was or this uh, this segment every week and I always forget about it. So like then when we go to record, I'm like, <laughs> what's the weirdest thing that's happened to me this week? Um, but then I can't remember. And, um, so I think of some other random story. And when we were trying to, um, record this the other day, we, we were sharing of like, just, we were talking about in ears and we we're talking about sound equipment and stuff like that. And so, um, at one of the churches I worked at, we had inner monitors and we used click tracks and, and loops and had a, you know, a, a music director in our ears telling us what to do and when to do it and all that stuff. And, um, we also had pastor's mic rather to our in-ears. And so um, the congregation, when the front of house was muted, um, we could still hear pastor's mic if it was if it was on. So like one Sunday morning we were going in, uh, we had multiple services. And then before, right before first service, we're, um, you know, getting ready to go on stage and the countdown's going off. We're getting ready to start service and start worship. And we hear the bathroom. I'm like what the heck is going on? Why why do we hear the toilet flushing? Sure enough, it was Pastor using the bathroom, and we could hear it in our ears. Nobody else could hear it, but we could hear it. So it's a pretty weird story, but yeah, yeah. But. And and it, and it reminds me of a time when my wife and I, when we went on our honeymoon, we were on a cruise, and there's like this big bingo thing. We don't really gamble or do anything, but we're like, you know what? It's this big thing, so we're in this huge auditorium. And there's one guy who's up there who's talking to people and he's reading off the numbers. And then there's another guy who had a mic on him. So in case if anyone called bingo, he could go and he could like communicate stuff to him. Well, that guy, since it was really on, that guy disappeared. And then all of a sudden you just hear a zipper and you just hear like a uh and you just hear straight peeing. And the guy's like reading letters and he just stops and listens and he goes, what is that? And then he realized what happened. He goes, oh, everybody, be quiet. So everyone was silent. And then right when that guy came in, he goes, hey, you left your mic on. And everyone, this huge auditorium of people were just dying laughing, dying laughing. And that guy was so embarrassed. Uh, but yeah, my weird story, actually, it was when I was doing a youth retreat this this past couple a couple weeks back. And we, they had a service, so we're sitting in service, and it was, you know, in this big auditorium, and we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, 
there's a moment in the bulletin where they have like a kid's kind of like, you know, kid's time to go to. Their know, class they, go to or... they go to some class or there's like since it was at a Chautauqua, it's like it was like in a different hall or something in a different building near the auditorium. So I'm like, OK, you know, whatever. Well, then all of a sudden it got to that part and the pastor says, I'm like, hey, ch- kids, it's children time. And then you just hear this guy start singing and he's playing a guitar and blowing this harmonica. And this guy is walking from the back of the auditorium singing and all these kids are following him. And he walks them all the way down to the front of the stage, all the way around to the bottom, all the way back up and out the door. And kids are going, parents are going some parents had tambourines and they're banging them. And, and I'm sitting here like with this goofy look on my face. Cause I'm like shocked that this is even happening. And I couldn't tell you if I was just like, what in the world was this? And like, kind of like, Oh, this is creepy. Like Pied Piper type stuff. Or I was just shocked on how, how if I could play guitar, I would probably be doing the same thing. <laughs> And I just said, I mean, this guy was just singing songs. He was making up stuff. And that's usually I always make up songs, too. So I'll just be like, come on, kids, come to the children's church. Let's go. Come, come to the children's church. (laughs) Yay. So. So that's the I I was had a very paradoxical feeling. I didn't know if I was disgusted and shocked by this or I was just like super jealous that I couldn't do that. (laughs) <laughs> you like the troubadour you know what a troubadour is no tell me a troubadour is somebody who writes music about random things going on in life in a small town and they just walk around town with a guitar and they sing songs about what's going on in the town oh is that like the guy from like the witcher series he's like toss your coin to your witcher whole valley of plenty i've not watched that series <laughs> oh, so i have you no have idea not? You are missing out. That was like. The reason I know what that, that was, because I had a mom and a sister who loved the Gilmore Girls series. And my wife and I have watched that too together. And they live in a small town in Connecticut. And they have a guy who who rolls around town with a guitar and acoustic guitar. And he, he sings songs about the town and what's going on. If you're out on the road. <laughs> Maybe we can write songs about. Maybe we could write songs about NDAs, which is what we're going to talk about today. Ooh, yes. We're, we're going to be talking about, Yeah, we're going to be talking about NDAs, cease and, uh, cease and desist letters. But uh, first, I want to kind of talk a little bit about contracts, which I feel like within the church, contracts kind of either, either they are a contract or they call them covenants. So, Micah, mm-hmm. what was your experience with either dealing with a contract or a covenant? Um, I've had maybe explain that to like what people who may not know what that is. Yes. So a couple of things, you know, uh, we'll we'll start with covenant. So like there's, you know, the covenants that some churches require staff members, elders, deacons, trustees, whatever your church calls them, um, to sign, just saying that they won't do certain things, um, which would reflect poorly on the ministry and their views or ideas of the philosophy of ministry that they are. So like, for example, drinking is a a great example of that smoking, um, gambling. Uh, I remember when I went to grad school in Anderson, I, they asked me to sign 
something about not gambling because they had just opened the casino in Anderson um, when I started seminary there. So like uh, they had all their undergraduates and people that lived on campus sign a covenant saying they wouldn't drink, they wouldn't smoke, they wouldn't go to the casino, they wouldn't gamble, things like that. Um, in the ministry world, I've uh, I've only ever signed one, I believe, and it was just stating that I wouldn't drink or purchase alcohol um, because that's you know one of the things the church didn't want to support. So um, yeah, I haven't. Have you signed any any covenants or contracts or anything like that? Or so so I, yeah, contracts like, are a different story because yeah, there's contract. Well, I mean, I signed I signed a contract. The only time I've signed a contract um, was mainly for salary. Like, here's your pastoral package, and this was kind of the agreed terms. To you know, they had mm-hmm. a package. Here's my okay. Here's how I want it distributed, and then I signed a contract, and that was like my first year in ministry, and that um, at a church, and that was kind of you know. I didn't think anything weird. There was a time I did have to sign a covenant and it actually was during camp. Um, we had a couple of group from answers in Genesis come to the camp to speak about their curriculum about evolution and creation and all that. And there are some people who were, who are like bio- biology students or who they're studying science. And that's was like going to be their major. And they totally were like, we don't agree with answers in Genesis's view of the creation story or anything else. But the director's like, everyone needs to sign this covenant to basically say that we're not going to interfere. Or we're not going to challenge like what they're teaching. Um, and if you don't sign it, you won't have a job. Pretty much that was it. So for me, I signed it because, A, I wasn't going to be teaching. I was going to be the – I had the role of um, digital – I was a digital director. So I went around and filmed everything and took pictures. So that so I wasn't going to be talking about evolution or creation with the kids. So I wasn't going to be sitting in those classrooms. So it didn't really pertain to me. So I'm like, yeah, I'll sign it because I wasn't going to do that. But I know for some people, they they really debated if they were going to sign it or not because they thought – a, I don't agree with this, but B, I don't think it's right for me to have to sign a covenant saying that I'm not going to challenge or talk about something, especially when it's at a church or a church camp, because they feel like covenants are between man and God, or at least that's what one person explained. That's something between man and God that shouldn't be between, you know, that shouldn't be made in a way that, oh, if you don't do this, then you're going to be disciplined or, or get fired. And they thought that that was kind of a pretty, a pretty crappy move to, for them to sign this covenant. Or in Matt Chandler's case, as we talked about last week, uh, put on a leave of absence. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Chandler. My goodness. Yeah. And I think, I think even with covenants too, cause I know there's one church I was pastoring where they, they asked their Sunday school teachers to sign covenants and it was basically kind of the same thing, like with elders and deacons, like, hey, you know, be of good moral, good standing character, blah, blah, blah. But then also kind of you are committed to be teaching this class for a year and you can't get out of it. And almost like you can't get out of it. And part of me, I didn't I mean, when I got there, we, we, we did away with covenants because I was like, well, a if I have to like rope people in to teach. 
they probably shouldn't be teaching anyway. And B, if there's life circumstances that happen, um, I don't want them to feel like, oh, well, I signed this covenant, so I can't leave, even though my husband's been diagnosed with stage four, like prostate cancer, and I got to be by his side, and I can't, but then I have to like leave his side so I can preach, so I can teach fifth graders Jesus because I signed this piece of paper saying that I would do it for a year. Like, like I feel like when you get into that territory, um, I would uh, I would hope that churches would be more lenient and understanding. Like, okay, yeah, like you can go, but I know reading some stuff within books and looking at case studies, it's not always that that case sometimes. Yeah, that's not always that simple. No, it isn't. It isn't. And 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 I guess my other thing too is. At this point, you should know your people. And if you know that these people love Jesus, they, you know, that they are reading the Bible, they're participating, they're growing. You, you can see the spiritual fruit on them. I don't see the point in trying to say, okay, you need to sign this piece of paper saying that you won't do these things because you're already going to know that they're not going to do anything. And if they do do something, then, you know, you and your elder board would then address it that way and you don't really have to sign this paper and then bring a piece of paper into it cc you said you wouldn't do this and you did how dare you? like i feel like it's just kind of almost like a invisible news sometimes that doesn't need to be there do you think we have to get to the point where we need to get over some of those things yeah and we've talked about it we've talked about it in other episodes right like where some you know I feel like I'm going to get a lot of uh, flack for saying this, but like if we watch a live stream, for example, if we watch Elevation Church, if we watch, you know, Bethel or whoever, you know, it's depicted that these people are all just Christian Christ followers and it just looks really good aesthetically. Right. So like Mm -hmm. they're not really going to the deeper, you know, you know, heart of, of what people are actually going through or what, cause you don't know because you're just watching it on a screen. Right. Yeah. Or even if you go to those churches, for example, like you don't know what the person next to you is going through. And like, you know, there's 5,000 people in that room with you. And so like, you know, when, you know, we get to the smaller churches and small to mid-sized churches, like, you know, people are going through stuff. People aren't perfect. And uh, do you like they're, they're like, there are certain circumstances where, yes, you need to like hold people accountable for things. Um, but like some of the little things, like if people are doing some of these little things that we get so caught up on, like, are we going to be the ones that say, Hey, no, you can't serve. What if you pastor a church of 50 people and like everybody does everything? Like, are you just going to tell them they can't serve? Is that like, I mean, and I guess that's what I mean. Do you think there's a point like where we need to get over that and walk alongside them and show them the love and the grace of Jesus mm-hmm. rather than, saying from the start of things, nope, you can't serve because you're, you're, you know, I saw you buying a case of beer in Kroger the other day, you know, <laughs> like it's it just, yeah. we just, have, we just have to get over some of that stuff. Yeah, I I think so too. And I mean, I think on the other side of that coin, I mean, if you're part of a denomination that's very hard line, you know, with these certain like extra biblical rules, then you know what you're getting into, you know? So I think, so I think that's kind of the other side of the coin. Like if I know if I'm, if I'm in a Southern Baptist tradition, I know they have some hardline teachings, then 
as it's someone who's going to be a deacon or a bishop or or a teacher, I'm going to have to know that, hey, this is it. And if I am struggling with something, I better repent, find counseling, do something to get my stuff in order because it's probably going to get found out um, and it may cause a ripple effect or it gets found out. And then, you know, in other cases, the other side of that, the other side of that situation is it may get covered up too, which is, you know, we've been seeing a lot of that within like the Catholic church and even with Mars Hill, Willow Creek, and then also with the SBC too. So, um, yeah, so let's talk about, let's just kind of shift focus to NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Have you ever had to sign an NDA? Um, no. Or participated in churches that had to, that had NDAs? Um, uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, I've worked in, you know, I've worked in several different types of churches and I have yet to have to. Um but we've heard more so, you know, more so recently and, you know, like especially in the Hillsong documentary where they, you know, made people sign a lot of those. Um, mm-hmm. Have you had to do that? No. Like, I I mean, I didn't find out what an NDA was until I read a church called Tove and reading some of the accounts where, where not only church staff, but even just members, like when you sign a member's covenant that there's also a non-disclosure agreement too on some like bigger churches and i'm thinking yikes like that's that's insane but no i've never had to sign a non-disclosure agreement and there's i mean there i want to get into you know some other things i've had to sign later on you know but uh i've never had to sign an nda but they <clears throat> they hit this pretty hard when we watched we reviewed the hillsong documentary um just about what they were expected and 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 why they were you know expected to sign those um <clears throat> i know that crossroads church here in cincinnati I know that when you apply for jobs there, there's a thing called the, um, <clears throat> I think it's like the I trust covenant. Like they have a covenant that you sign for, for crossroads and it has like the top 10, you know, their uh, pillars of faith as a non-denominational church, but it's like, you know, it's very much driven towards like, we're not going to be judgmental about drinking and we want to be inclusive and want to really have a lot of diversity and, you know, you have to love everybody and like, it's, it's pretty open-ended, but you have to, it's the, I promise it's called the, I promise agreement. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I've never had to sign anything like that. Thankfully. Cause I don't know that I would. Yeah. And I think the problem with non-disclosure agreements and, and there's a case and I, I wouldn't necessarily, I thought I talked earlier about, you know, even members signing. I know there is a case study in um, church called Tove where there is a family that started attending Village Church. The um, and I'm not sure if it was the one that Matt Chandler was a pastor, if it was like an extension or a satellite church that was from Village. But they attended this church. They liked it. They signed this membership agreement. And one of the things was. You know, they had things that you couldn't say or you couldn't do, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then their child went to a summer camp that was run by Village. It was kind of sponsored by Village, and it was mostly Village staff and volunteers that ran the camp. And obviously there was something 
um, there was a situation that happened that um, the family wanted to pursue legal charges. And initially they went to the elder board and said, hey, this happened to our daughter. We we want it, we want answers. We want investigation. And the board kind of was like, well, this person's really good. And I don't think they would ever do something like that. So they kind of dismissed it. And they felt like they couldn't lawyer up because they signed this, you know, this NDA. And they also signed this that was tied to a membership covenant. And a family member said, well, leave the church. I just say you you're leaving the church, sign your document saying you're no longer a member of the church. And then after that, lawyer up. So they did that and they're able to lawyer up. And when they talked to a lawyer, they said, you know, anything that's like a felony, like like what happened to their daughter uh, NDA is not going to, you know, an NDA is not going to prevent you from speaking out when something is a crime or a, yeah. or a suspected crime. So, you know, they didn't have to feel like, but they felt bad because they just waited months and months for something to happen and the church dragged their feet. And then they did that. Um, and then even like with the Mars Hill uh, podcast that uh, Christianity Today put out, you know, there is pastors who, they were told you have to sign this NDA. You can't say anything. And if they didn't, not only did they not get any severance, but then their insurance was cut. They like they were completely cut. And sometimes, you know, at least one pastor said they weren't going to sign it, and they walked away not signed it, and definitely didn't get their severance pay or their six month extension for insurance. Like lost everything mm-hmm. because of that. And then luckily, there are some people in the church who found out about it, and they. We're able to give them money, able to do a GoFundMe thing and raised all this money. And then eventually the church gave them gave them their severance because there's probably, oh, well, the church people are doing something for them. I guess we have to so we don't look bad, which is basically probably what it was. It's more of a PR move than anything. But yeah, um, and, and really my opinion, NDAs shouldn't be in a church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find that I find that I mean, I see NDAs not being part of a church, just like when some churches want to like sign petitions, like remove staff. Like to me, I think that is like not biblical, not gospel centric, not bearing the image of Christ when you have an NDA or a petition or anything like that. So. so yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. I would agree. I think that, you know, yes, there's a there's a point. Yeah, accountability is important, but there's also a point where people take things too far. And even without things like NDAs and covenants and contracts and other things like that, where church people take the liberty and they take it too far. So, like, even without those documents, <laughs> you and I know, you know, all too well that church people can take things way too far without those documents or the threat of those documents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's messy. So then the other thing that we see some churches do are cease and desist letters, which I find, which I find weird because normally when you have a cease and desist letter, it's usually for any type of copyright or trademark infringement, which Mm -hmm. I think in some cases, like if you're using I can see like a cease and desist order be happening. Like if a church is, you know, playing like a Chris Tomlin song and they don't have the license to play it like a, like a CCLI 
or or something like that. Play a video um, or something that's not theirs, and they don't have the royalties to it, or they've not purchased this royalties. Or, or kind of the thing that happened in that church in Texas where they did a whole a whole Hamilton production, but they changed it to be about Jesus and had the gospel in there, and they just kept going it. And luckily, no one found out about it until it made national news. And then by the time everything got it, when everyone got wind of it, they were ending their, you know, weekend or four day run. So you couldn't really do a cease and desist order, but definitely there was a lawsuit that came right after that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, so I think in, and I think in some ways I've seen some churches have used cease and desist letters to kind of silence people. You know, if yeah. people are saying, hey, I had this bad experience at, you know, at this church or or my kid had this issue at a vacation Bible school or or the pre or maybe it might be a preschool that's being run inside a church like, oh, there is this big thing. You know, sometimes churches may send like cease and desist letters to shut people up. And so have you have you ever had to deal with um, any of that in your ministry? No, um No, actually, I've, uh, to my knowledge, at least, my dad, I don't know that my dad has, um, you know, being in ministry for 30 plus years, I I haven't. <clears throat> yeah. uh, there, there, there are other documents, like, if it's okay, like, you know, kind of switching gears a little bit, but like, oh, no. I, um, the first church I ever worked at full time, um, we we're a decent sized church. I was creative arts and young adults pastor there. And I was in charge of those areas. And, um, I was young and it was my first job ministry wise. It was full time. And I, <clears throat> I got hired on and then, uh, the pastor hired me. So we had myself office manager, youth pastor, children's pastor, lead pastor. The church was running, you know, 250 to 300 people at the time. And, um, things were going well. And then the lead pastor decided to leave and uh, uh, several months went by after he left and I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. And I mean, I, I continued to do my job, <clears throat> but um, on good Friday, uh, the chairman of the board called me and said, Hey, can I meet with you? And I was like, sure. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm at the office all day, you know, come on in and we'll, we'll have a conversation. You're, you're, and... You were working on good Friday. Yeah. I had to get ready for Easter, man. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was, uh, one of the, there was only a couple of us that were full time. And so, you know, during that interim phase, the, you know, the office had to be covered and so I just did it. Um, so the, the chairman of the board came in and he, uh, basically set a contract down on my desk and mm. it was like a list and a job description of all the things that they wanted changed since the other pastor had left, including what I wore on a Sunday morning, what songs I played on Sunday morning, how I played the songs, uh, order of service, uh, office hours, uh, keeping a time card of, of the hours that I was in the office, like all of these things. And at the end of it, it said, if these things aren't, improved in 60 days we have the right to, to terminate the agreement meaning that they were going to fire me wow and so i 
I signed it because I'm here. I am 27 years old, not really thinking much of it because I'm like, what in the world am I supposed to do? Um, and I think we had just gotten an interim pastor like that Sunday, that Easter Sunday was going to be the, the interim pastors like first Sunday there. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like he had cornered me in my office and I had to sign this document saying, Hey, uh, you're going to improve on this. So anyway, long story short, like and my, my wife, you know, at that time, like we were, we were engaged. We weren't even married yet. And so she was working on trying to find jobs here in Ohio. She was in South Carolina and we were, we were just young and in love and trying to figure out what we were supposed to do with our life and what God had for us. And we thought it was in, in, you know, this area at this church. And so ultimately I ended up resigning before they could fire me. Um, and it was, it's very, you know, not very many people know that story, right? It was just mm-hmm. like, I, I had to do what I had to do to, you know, provide for, for my family and for what was going to be my marriage shortly in a, in a couple of short months. And so um, that's one example. Um, more recently mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, I worked, I mentioned working at a larger church in, in the Cincinnati area. And um, I had been there for seven months and it was in like the the middle of COVID. So we were still pre-recording everything. My job was the video production guy. So I basically just during that season was just videoing everything, pre-recording everything, video announcements, uh, intros for online church, outros for online church, um, any kind of bumper videos and the sermons. So I, my job was to record all that, produce all that, edit all that, put it all together. And then, you know, have it ready for uh, Sunday because we were doing, you know, pre-recorded online services at that point. And so seven months into the job, I, uh, I get pulled into the creative arts pastor's office and basically kind of the same thing that happened at the church before, but they gave me that there was like the three page document of like areas they wanted me to improve on. And it was like, improve on this by this date, improve on this by this date. And like, it was three pages and um, it was like all those things were in like, I guess the realm of 60 days. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like they basically went through all the things with me that, and it was like almost everything that I was doing wrong in their eyes. And so they wanted me to fix it or change it or do it better. And at the end of it, the worship creative arts pastor signed it, I signed it. And then our boss, the executive director of ministry signed it. And if, if I didn't improve on it in 60 days that they were going to get rid of me or they just were going to terminate the agreement. And so I signed that and because they wouldn't let me leave the office until I signed it. And this is coming from staff. This wasn't like elders. This wasn't like mm. board of trustees. This was staff because we reported to, you know, that was the way that the, the, the chain of command was reported. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we were a larger church, multi-site campus uh, and the, the worship and um, youth pastor was, at the satellite campus, his wife had got COVID that week and mm. they had two little girls and they asked if I could cover worship at that other, uh, at our other campus. And I was like, absolutely. So in that moment, like I, I had led worship and I sobbed my eyes out on the stage and just felt like the Lord was releasing me from that. And that I didn't even need to fight that battle. And so yeah. instead of fighting after signing that paperwork, I just decided the Lord said, you're done here. And my wife, confirmed it um i had 
I had prayed on the platform and was crying my eyes out and I got off the, the platform. My wife's like, you're going to resign, aren't you? And I was like, yes. And, um, went in and told my boss the very next week and she was like, you know, can you give us 30 days? And I was like, yeah. And so all that to say, you know, I signed that paperwork and I still have it. And it, it just kind of, it kind of rubs you the wrong way, especially when you think you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's happened to me not only once, but twice and in, in my 10 years of ministry. And so it's, it's, it's so different. And, um, when people ask you why you don't trust people or why you don't, um, you know, have a sense of belonging. And I don't know, like if you're, you're feeling, you know, post leaving your last ministry assignment to where you are now, like, you know, I'm assuming things are still going well for you, but like, you know, in my situation, it's very much like, I think I'm just on pins and needles. I, and my wife Mm -hmm. and I, and we've shared this with the staff at the church there that we're, we're at now, but like, I just don't, we don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like we're settled. We don't feel peace about it just because of all our past hurt and all of our past experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, when, you know, you just feel like, man, I wonder when somebody's going to whip out a contract and make you sign it or (laughs) an NDA or get like a stupid letter in the mail or something. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's very disheartening. And it's like, it's almost like post-traumatic stress. And I've never served our country in the military and I've never Mm -hmm. been to war, but like, it's almost feels like, Oh, oh man, what am I going to do? Like, what what am I going to do this? Or is it going to be the wrong thing? Is it going to be the wrong decision? And you're afraid to make a decision and it always, it affects your leadership. Yeah. And and I think it's, and it's hard to do, and it's hard, it's hard to leave lead when you've had all these past experiences where it's people. And here's the thing, like, and I, and I, I've, I've thought about this a long time looking at, things like contracts, NDAs, cease and desist letters, or like your experience, like, hey, you need to sign this and you need to do these things. And if you don't comply within, you know, 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, then we're terminating your contract. To me, I just feel like... Which is funny, funny, Scott, because you don't, like, we talked about contracts, but in both of those situations that I mentioned, there were no, I never signed a contract. So like, what are you going to do? Just fire like they kept saying terminate the the agreement. I'm like, what agreement? <laughs> yeah, what agreement? You didn't sign a contract. Yeah. And I think I think the thing that bothers me the most about paperwork or or and, and most whether you have it on legal paper, whether it's official letterhead, whether it's a lawyer turning these documents in, or whether it's just a church typing up a letter saying, Hey, here's this, blah, blah, blah. And it really it's not gonna it has about as much sway in the courtroom as you know a fart from a five-year-old um it doesn't focus on reconciliation at all right i mean to me i mean to me like if someone says hey you got to sign this contract i mean for me it's like well wait a minute what's going on let's talk about this what you know, let's 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 really get down to the real issue here, because right now we're not having a conversation. You're basically throwing a paper in my face saying this is what you're going to do or this is what we want you to do. And you must comply, which to me, that's not reconciliation. And I feel like 
the churches who have gone this route, and I understand churches going this route because they want to make sure, well, we don't want to get sued or we don't want bad press or we don't want this or we don't want that. And I, I get all that. But if people are hurting from your ministry, then it is the church's responsibility. It is the leadership's responsibility to build that bridge to reconciliation. Because if someone's hurting and you decide to say, well, no, you're the bad person. You're the one who you're this, you're this. And, and, and here's the paper and you signed this and you did this. And I feel like it's almost like, it's almost like it's setting up that we are the church. We represent Jesus Christ. We can never do wrong. So if someone, whether it's a leader, whether it's a church member, whether it's an elder, if something goes wrong, it's on them. But it's not on our culture. It's not on the leadership. It's not on the rest of the leadership. It's not on any of us because, you know, we we are part of the church and you are. You know, you're on your way out. So you're the one who's it's almost like you're the one who's leaving the faith almost. And that's not what's happening. People have been hurt. People have been, you know, people have had bad experiences or people felt like that they had concerns and their concerns weren't heard. And instead of saying and even if you're listening to them and at the end of the day, you're saying, well, I understand your concerns. Thank you for bringing it up. But this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it, because, you know, you're the pastor. You have final say or you're the elder board, you have final say. You don't need to throw a document into this. Build those things, build those relationships, work towards reconciliation. I think the big problem is, is we just don't know how to reconcile because we made everything so administrative, everything so legalistic, everything very pharisistic, if that's even a word, that we're not doing what Paul has called us to do that, you know, when we are with Christ, he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. If anyone's going to reconcile, it's not going to be God. It's not going to be Jesus, but we as the church and we as Christians have the ministry to reconcile with other people. And if the church doesn't want to do that, then we are not doing our due diligence to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ because we are not being peacekeepers. We are not being, reconcilers yeah i mean and that work reconciliation is just is a wonderful thing and like that's one of my favorite verses uh second corinthians 5 19 through 21 and it says for god was for god was in christ reconciling the world to himself mm-hmm. no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are christ's ambassadors god is making his appeal through us we speak for christ when we plead, come back to God. And then it finally says, this is kind of going along with what you said, Scott, but it says, for God, and verse 21 says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with Christ. You know what I mean? Like, that. that is just like, you know, yeah. we get so caught up in the mundane, and here's a piece of paperwork, you know, Yes, people may screw up and yes, people may slack in their jobs, but there there needs to be some grace. There needs to be a grace culture because that person may be going through something. Maybe their marriage yeah. is a wreck. Maybe their maybe their kid has Down syndrome. Maybe their kid's special needs. Maybe yeah. they they're, they're they have a parent who's sick. I you know, and like maybe the church is isn't in the healthiest of spaces. Um and you know, they don't need you throwing a a document in their face telling them 
how bad of a job they're doing or if they're doing a bad job, because maybe they don't, maybe they know, maybe they know that they're struggling and they don't need you to, to, to throw that in their face on top of everything else that's going on. Yeah. Or even like an NDA or a cease and desist. Like if people are sharing their experiences and you're saying, well, you can't talk about it. Well, they wouldn't be talking about it if reconciliation happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and and again, like every case study I have read in my leadership in my doctorate leadership program and any of the other books that I look at church culture, usually a lot of times, if it's especially the person who feels like that they are the victim in this situation, they do go and try to reconcile. They do try to right wrongs. They do try to build that bridge. And yet it is other people who simply say no, or people who simply say you're delusional, you're paranoid, you're, you know, you're this, you're that. So then, yeah. And I mean, and you can't, and then they wonder why pastors, and they wonder why young pastors don't want to serve in ministry. Or they want to know why, man, there are all these pastors are leaving churches or, or, or whatnot, or, or why are all these people not wanting to come to church? It's like, well, because you are not being part of the ministry of reconciliation. You're not, if you're not willing to reconcile or at least make the attempt to reconciliation, then, then you're not doing kingdom work, period. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hit the gavel on the table. Boom. <laughs> I think you need a gavel. I'm Judge Judy. Boom. Goodness. She's still around? I don't know. Uh, Yes. (laughs) She's she's still still, uh, judging, I think. Man. Judge Judy. Good night. Anyway, I think that's that's enough for my soapbox. Uh, Are are you good with this topic? You want to talk more? (laughs) I think think we covered everything we need to cover. No, I mean, I just... Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't change anything in my life, my ministry experiences, because I mean, there's just those things happen and they do happen for a reason. But at the same time, it doesn't mean, you know, they should happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like this is why we, this is one of the reasons we record these episodes is so that we can share our experiences um, because they, things like that do happen, you know? Yeah. Pastors and, do get beat up. Pastors yeah. do get, you know, I don't know. It, yeah, it's, just, I, it's, a, it's a struggle for me, and I'm very passionate about church health. And, you mm-hmm. know, my hope one day in my prayer, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, but, like, my hope is to really get involved in, you know, district or state leadership one day so that I can make a difference because of some of the things that I went through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of, you know, even though, my initial podcast when I started this was focused on the religious and entertainment and psychology in a way to kind of have some fun, but also to, you know, teach people and to influence people on, you know, how to deal with some of these topics. I think at least this past year, there's just been a lot of content just coming out of COVID coming out of the great resignation uh, coming out of things where there's a lot of people who really need, you know, just as simply the fact that they're not alone, that, you know, you sharing your story, me sharing my story, it's helping them to understand their story in light of their situation and how God kind of is shining a light in those dark places. Yeah. 
Um, that's all I got. I, I just, you know, I just want people to realize that those things do happen and they're not alone. Because Absolutely. And it's a hard thing we, we call ministry and people don't even realize it. Absolutely. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have not catched any of our previous episodes, you can go back and check out all the hundreds of episodes that we have. Um, so great stuff. Even some of the old ones I've done, which are probably not as great now when I think about them or listen back to, through them. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting this channel and this uh, podcast. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week and we'll be back on with a new episode. Take care.